We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. As y'all can tell, my crew is fired up. Sean has completely lost it because he is excited about Kenny Minchie committing to Notre Dame. This is a big one, boys. This is one that uh, we'll get into the backstory, but I just want to right away just give you guys a chance to speak on what this means for Notre Dame. They got Not only did they get a quarterback in 2023, they got a really good one, fellas. No doubt about it. Yeah, now nah, it's it. I mean, it's massive, Sean. We just talked about this yesterday on the recruiting show, right? It, it, it was just a couple weeks ago that quarterback recruiting went from questionable to bleak, if we're being yeah. completely honest with ourselves, right? And the rebound that Notre Dame has had at the quarterback position, being able to get back in the conversation with Kenny Minchie, being able to close it so quickly after getting back in with him. I mean, it just there's been a lot there's been some blunders from the recruiting side of things but again we're sitting here Notre Dame with the top three class nationally and get their quarterback in the class where I'll just say this and I'll leave this point blank and then we'll talk a little more in depth about it later I'm sure but there are there are a few quarterbacks that Notre Dame was talking to at some point in this cycle that I think Kenny Minchie's a much better player than mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah. where I'll leave it at it's a massive gift for Notre Dame We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, I'm with you, Ryan, and I think you guys probably, I was kind of optimistic and I was starting to turn, and I remember conversations that we had together, and you guys were like, man, I don't know. Like, there's some things out there, but we'll see how it plays out, and then all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, just yeah, just drops right in on time. It's, well. No, it's just an amazing feeling. We talked about this, Ryan, right? Like the initial overtures that were made. Like if the commitment was made then, the decommitment and commitment was made then, we probably would have been like, that's what's up. That's what's up. They got, man, good. They got the quarterback. But the timing, where things were, it almost magnifies like his commitment to have even more importance. You know what I'm saying? Because of when it happened. Look, I can't even, whether it's Ryan, Brian, Malik, John Garcia, everyone that I've had a discussion with and talk to them about what they think about this young man from a film evaluation standpoint, and a personality standpoint, it's a flat-out home run. It's just a flat-out home run. I'm not here to debate who he's better than and four or five star. I'm not – no. The key is that he's really good, right? That's the key. Yeah. The, yeah. We're not going to get into the, well, he's better than this guy, not better than yeah. that guy. I like him better than Dante. You don't like him better than Dante. Just hypothetically, we're not going to get into that. The, the point – it's just like the running back thing in 2020. Do you like Will Shipley better than this guy, that guy? It doesn't matter. You missed on Will Shipley, so what do you do? You go out and you hit a home run with what's next left on the board. Yeah. And that's what they did. Uh, yes, they missed on Dante Moore. That was their that was their guy in this class. But just because that's the guy that they were like, hey, that's the guy we're going to focus on, doesn't mean that that's the only guy that this staff thought was a really good quarterback. And this is an incredibly deep quarterback year. And two weeks ago, it was looking like they weren't going to get a guy in the top 15 or 20 yeah. Now they get a guy that's, to me, solidified in the top 10 of right. the quarterback room. So Kenny Minchie, obviously from uh, Pope John Paul II in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He is uh, he was ranked as the number 80 player in the country by SI99, John Garcia. And, uh, you know, I had some work in that as well as far as the rankings for that. He's my number 81 overall player in the class. That's from my junior, like before the season rankings, not an updated ranking. So this is a this is a big time kid and a kid who made a big jump as a junior physically. That was the big thing for Kenny is he made a big jump from sophomore to junior season physically grew at least an inch and a half, uh, got stronger. He was a really good player as a sophomore in a COVID shortened season, but he was small. He wasn't very big. He camped at Notre Dame 
And they really liked how he played, but he just didn't fit the profile of kind of what they're looking for. His arm just didn't jump at him. He was accurate. He was smart. They loved all those intangibles. But then when he had that growth spurt, Sean, his game took off. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Ryan, he he refined himself even more now as a senior and yeah. had, a, a, again, a, a bit of a shortened season, but a very productive season it, still this this fall. So the fact of the matter is, is we you can you can spend all the time you want. This guy's better. That guy's better. Notre Dame needs big time quarterback play. And they now, and this has been a trouble area. They they went through a stretch where they had a, no issues with recruiting, and it was all development. In the last five six years, there's been a lot of inconsistency from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. And now you've got Kenny Minchie, and you've got CJ Carr in the 2024 class, and you're now okay. You're getting back to riding the ship, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a big key. And I think the other thing too is it says a lot about Kenny Minchie that he was willing to commit to Notre Dame with C.J. Carr already entrenched as the kid in 2024. And it says a lot about C.J. Carr from what we've been able to gather from our sources that he ha- he has talked to Kenny Minchie and has embraced that. It says yeah. a lot about both of these young men, and that's where you need to be, right? That's where you need to be as a program where you've got these kids are going to battle their butts off, but they're also going to be right there beside each other to whoever's out there. I got your back. And so you you need that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, the talented quarterback, just the God-given physical tools of quarterback, in my opinion, haven't been great in recent years. They've had tough, gritty, winner-type kids like Ian Book. Not not an elite physical talent. Jack Cohn, smart, accurate, not an elite physical talent. Obviously, you're in a situation now where you don't have an elite physical talent, Drew Pine. 23 and 24, you've upped your talent level at the quarterback room. And into, it's always it's always been an important position, but yep. you know, Sean. Nowadays, it's an even more important position. You can't win a championship more often than not without a big time quarterback. And there's the exceptions, the Stetson Bennett's last year, but that's because he was loaded with just insane amount of insane amount of talent that you're just not going to con- probably consistently have at a place like Notre Dame. He was considered as one of the top eleven quarterbacks in this class which is a great quarterback class. He made it to the Elite 11. Um, the previous show, we talked about the heritage of that Elite 11 and how many guys, usually six of the 11, end up being really good quarterbacks in college. Of course, you have injuries, guys going to the wrong program, possibly getting connected to the wrong coach. There are a lot of things that can happen. But for the most part, the pedigree of those guys that make the Elite 11, they end up being really good quarterbacks. But this is something else we want to point out about Kenny Minchie. Do not get caught up. Because, Brian, you said this to me last night on the phone. Do not get caught up in stars in comparisons. Mm-hmm. Tell me the stars of the quarterbacks that have won the last three national championships. You got to get that five-star guy, right, Sean? Got to get exactly. that five-star guy, right? Five-star and and look, look, look at Trevor Lawrence. Look what it did for Trevor Lawrence. I'm like, okay, cool. That worked for them. Trevor's a great player. But the guy that was every bit as good as him, if not better, the next year that won a championship is a kid named Joe Burrow, who was yeah. the number 288 overall player in the country coming out of high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. The guy that won a championship the next year, who also had a phenomenal year, was a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. I believe he was runner-up, finished second or third, right. right, behind his receiver, was the number 399 player in the country coming out of high school. And Mac Jones, and of course last year Stetson Bennett won it, right? So – Look for winners, look for traits, but look for talent, right? And then whether he's a five-star, how many national titles did, you know, the Tua Tungvaloa win as a starter? Z- zero. He was a five-star. You know, mm-hmm. Jacob Coker won one, right? I mean, Greg McElroy won one. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, that's the thing is you just got to find guys that can win. And if you put the town around them, it takes even more burden off of them. But that's really been a position that's missing at Notre Dame. I mean, how many times have you have guys that we talked about this particular team and have said to ourselves, man, could you imagine what this team would be if we had that quarterback or if Notre Dame had that quarterback and that kind of thing? Well, now, you know, will Kenny Minchie be that guy? I don't know. Will CJ Carr be that guy? I don't know. But the reality is you've now upped your op- your chances mm-hmm. of having that guy because mm-hmm. you got both of these kids. And yeah. that's the key. Or potentially they both end up being that guy. You know, and that's that's what you're hoping for. Well, I, I feel like we hyper focus on the term margin for error on the show a lot, right? Yeah. And it to make your margin for error larger, get more talented players and the yeah. The law of averages is going to tell you one of these guys is probably going to work out, right? Mm-hmm. Not every not every player is going to be a hit. Not every evaluation is going to be a hundred percent. But adding talent like a Kenny Minchie, like a CJ Carr, it gives you a higher probability that w- at least one of those players are going to be a dude. And to your point, Brian, if both of them end up being a dude, then you're in a situation where you start to build a pipeline. And more quarterbacks are going to want to come be a part of that because now they see Notre Dame can recruit that type of talent. Notre Dame can develop that type of talent. And I really think, you know, just kind of hyper-focusing on Kenny Minchie for a second, the fact that he continues to rise in the recruiting rankings, aside from rivals, because him being the three stars, patently absurd to take Brian's term there. But he is the number 206 on 247 overall player in the country. He's number 204 on on three, and he's number 182 on ESPN. Before the season, he was barely cracking the top 300 in these rankings, and he only played, I think, four football games this past year with the shoulder injury. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he had such a limited sample size, the Elite 11 that we keep talking about, the camp circuit, and the four football games, and he's still able to make that rise in recruiting rankings for people that obsess over it, tells you a lot of the improvements that he's made because I've been very upfront about this. I mean, we've talked about this a lot recently, right, Brian? Like junior film, really liked Kenny Minchie. Yeah. I would have been very happy with junior version of Kenny Minchie to be in this recruiting class. The fact of the matter is, as long as Kenny's healthy, which we've heard that he is, it's not going to be like a long-term issue. It's at the sounds of it. Then he is a completely different player as a senior than when he was a junior. He's bigger. He's got a better base. He's stronger. You can see all those things now popping off, and he's working out of schedule, off off script a little bit more as a senior as well and making some plays on the run, in collapsed pockets, doing all those little things that really separate good quarterbacks from great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks from elite quarterbacks. The step he took as a senior I think was massive. Notre Dame got a really good one. I want to say one thing, though, Ryan, real quick. He did start rising up the rankings before his senior season. So a lot of the rankings haven't really been adjusted post-senior season. I think On3 yep. did one yesterday, which is just patently absurd, by the way. Um, <laughs> so they, got a couple, they got a couple right, but some of the stuff is just flat-out stupid. But they had Kenny Minchie in the top 250 area. I'm trying to remember where they had him. But they had him um, – let's see, they had him 204, right? So a lot of – but like ESPN put him in the top 200 based on the Elite 11 in junior film. And then Rivals, uh, who who the heck knows what Rivals is doing with quarterbacks? So I don't have a clue. They have him as a three-star. But you know, he actually, and then SI, SI99 ranked him 80th. That was our summer ranking. So we haven't even done our postseason ranking. So um, 
you started to see it, but to your point, he jumped as a senior. Whatever that means for his ranking, I don't know. Now that he's committed to Notre Dame, for all we know, his ranking's going to go down with some people, right? And, he, he's a two-star now. Two yeah, star exactly. Group. Rival's definitely going to drop it down. <laughs> uh, but the point is is that it doesn't change what kind of player he is, mm-hmm. right? And, and and whether he goes up in the rankings or goes down. Like when Notre Dame landed Dylan Edwards, he was a three-star player. Now that people are putting him in the top 150, top 200, doesn't mean he all of a sudden got better now because of the ranking. It's just now the ranking is finally reflecting more of the player, but it doesn't always reflect the player. And then we'll talk a little bit about Kenny Minchie. We'll, we'll pop in some film here in a little bit, guys, but I first want to kind of do a little bit of a backstory on this one because this is a very fascinating, fascinating backstory. So obviously we all know that Notre Dame made, went all in on Dante Moore, right? We all know that and and went made the run and, and it was a decision I flat out supported then, flat out support now. It was it was the right decision for Notre Dame, in my opinion. And so Notre Dame goes out and does that, and we we all know what happened. We don't need to get into that again, but it ends up that just doesn't work out. Notre Dame, Dante Moore, they all go in a different direction. It doesn't work out, right? So then Notre Dame starts kind of focusing on other quarterbacks, and two guys that immediately – sort of climbed to the top of the board for Notre Dame were Kenny Minchie and Austin Novosad from Texas. Now, at the time, obviously, Novosad got a little bit more of a push because he was where, he was more open at the time. Kenny really liked Notre Dame, but at the time, he was really – he just he was, he was had given his word. He didn't want to decommit. Where Novosad was just straight open. He was going on all these visits. He was looking. He ended up recommitting to Baylor, but he was genuinely open – and so that's why there was a perception. But I can tell you with uh, 100% certainty, Ryan, and you know this because you and I had conversations about this at the time, there were people that I talked to in the program that thought Kenny Minchie was the better player. He was just less attainable. That's why Novosad got the push. And so because uh, then they offered Kenny and it just he ended up wanting to stay committed. They kept the they kept the back channels open. They kept you know talking to him, but it was like you know he was pretty set. I don't know what happened. I haven't gotten that full story yet. From what I'm told by a, a friend of mine who has connections in Tennessee, it was two things. One is the injury this year kind of opened his eyes up to like I got to think about more than just football here, right? Because right. he had a shoulder injury. Should not be any people that ask. It's not a long term thing. It's not a major thing. Uh, it's not structural. It's it's it. He'll be fine. But it cost him some games. I think that kind of, from what I'm told, again, this is just what I'm told by a source. This isn't to come from Kenny Minchie or the Minchies or anyone at Notre Dame. This is just a source that I have in Tennessee that said that kind of, you know, got him thinking a little bit. And the second one I was told was him and his family are just huge Notre Dame fans. And as they walk, I was, I was told this again, I, this is not coming from Kenny Minchie. This is not coming from Notre Dame who Kenny Minchie told. This is from people that I know in the Tennessee area. He watched this team play and was like, this team's a quarterback away. <laughs> and him and his family, I was told, are Notre Dame fans. And so as they watched this team play, they're like, you know, man, you know. And then the, because the channels were opened up, and then eventually Kenny opened, reached out to Notre Dame and said, hey, I really want to re, re, you know, think about this. So when he decommitted from Pitt, there was not a reopening of his recruitment. He decommitted from Pitt for one reason and one reason only, and it's – to do what he did today. Now we did the dancing gift for Kenny Minchie, not today. People thinking this is the one today is for this. No, we don't do that. We won't put a dancing gift out the day a kid's going to commit. That's lame. We won't do that. We did that one a week ago. And and it was actually interesting, Ryan, is it actually came from a conversation that or some intel that you got 
not from anyone associated with Notre Dame that this is. Yep. So we got word not this past week, but the week before the Navy game, mm-hmm. we got word that Notre Dame and Kenny Minchie had really heated up like early that week had heated up their conversations. And Tommy Reese was pushing, Chad Bowden was pushing, Coach Freeman was pushing. But like, you know, this is like Coach Reese zeroed in on like, okay, we got to go get this dude, right? Yep. And then, then they obviously it, were, it, it all happened pretty quickly. So Ryan, just kind of give it a little bit of that backstory to what happened with you, and then we'll re- wrap it up because I want to bring in John Garcia Jr. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Kenny visited this past weekend. It was the weekend before I had heard from someone on the Pittsburgh side of things that like, hey, just a tip on tip here. We've talked to Kenny. Kenny is going to make the decommitments, and we think that he's going to be looking heavily at Notre Dame. So Pittsburgh became aware of this a couple days before Kenny opted to make the decommitment and then quickly set up the visit to Notre Dame. And, you know, from everything that we've told, he did it with class, you know, from the that side of the conversation. And, you know, they were very unfortunate because – one thing that I don't think we've ever talked about, Brian, but he was actually Kenny Minchie was actually the highest quarterback recruit that the University of Pittsburgh has ever had. He was the highest recruit in, on multiple platforms that they have ever gotten. So it was a massive loss for them. But again, we, we had kind of gotten heard because Brian leading up to that conversation had heard like, hey, the conversations with Kenny Minchie have started again. They're, you know, it's kind of a lot of interest on yeah. both sides of yeah. the coin, obviously. And then once I heard that, we were just like, oh, this is this is real, man. Yeah. Like this is this is a legit thing right. that's happening. And quickly we kind of went from bleak to very excited. It went from zero to hundred in like a second. I mean, <laughs> yes, it really it did. did. And, and just so people know, when we talk about ever recruiting, we're not talking about like we're talking the rivals era, like the recruiting service era from like oh two on. We're not saying like Kenny Minch was higher ranked than Dan Marino. There really wasn't a top 100 type of thing back in the 70s when Dan Marino right. was coming out. Just make sure people understand. Like, hold on a second. Dan Marino and this other. In, in the recruiting we're ranking talking about the recruiting era. rankings yes. era. Correct. Yes. And, and, of course, Kenny Minchie jumped in. So I want to bring in John Garcia Jr. from SI99 because this guy right here, who you all know and love, and who is now has a show, if you're not aware, John actually has now as a weekly show that we've launched on the CFB Nation channel. Uh, which is called the state of recruiting. He covers national recruiting. And then lately he's had some Notre Dame focus because Notre Dame's been in the news with the top class. And of course, with this one, John, John, you guys at SI 99 were the first ones to really make the Kenny Minchie push. And, you know, when others were kind of putting him into the top 200 and low, low one hundreds, you know, like 180, 190, y'all went full in and said, this is the 80th best player in the country. You you watched the film. You saw him in person. John, what was it for you that said this kid is one of, without question, not only one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but one of the best players in the country? Well, there's really not a lot to knock here. I, I think we we get, look, we, we cover this 12 months a year, and we get infatuated by certain things and certain traits, which is great, right? It, it certainly sparks conversation. But on the flip side of that, when there are prospects who kind of check every box, it's really hard to isolate one trait on the positive end and on the negative end. It's really hard to kind of knock anything. So I think we we fall in love with the with the um, with what's special and rare in in terms of a physical trait. And while Kenny doesn't maybe have any one of those no brainer viral kind of tendencies, everything else is just right there. So we saw that on tape four-year high school starter, things that we love, right? We, we love the floor. We're high floor uh, evaluators, if, if that makes sense. And then we saw him. And I think that's when it started to, to really turn. We saw him in the spring 
at maybe the hottest Elite 11 regional I've ever been to. Players were puking out there. And there was Kenny Minchie, just kind of there, consistent, uh, never missed a beat, never complained, never said a word. And he out through that day, Nico Iamaliava. Um, honestly, you know, him and ironically now, him and CJ Carr were, were kind of the two guys at that camp that just captured your attention. Um, a bunch of other players were there. Walker White in 2024. Uh, in 23, Marcel Reed, the old Miss commitment who we really like. Chris Parson uh, was there. It was a loaded uh, Nashville regional. And Kenny Minchie just was kind of the steady guy. Uh, so he kind of captured my attention in that regard because we love the tape. We love what he's put out publicly. But then seeing him personally, I thought, really enhanced that evaluation. That was before we, we came out with the 99. And then we went to L.A. and saw him at the Elite 11 where it was a one-to-one with all the other big arms, right? Yamaliaba wasn't at the finals, but he outthrew him by far at the regional. And then in the finals, I mean, he finished number five for us um, throughout the entire uh, four days or four workouts. I actually just pulled up the article here. So we rank kids every single day, um, all 20 kids based on their performances that day, not a cumulative kind of, you know, who was who was the hottest name coming in kind of thing. It was just about those performances. He never finished lower than ninth. Day one, he was ninth. Day two, which is the pro day where we keep score, uh, accuracy scores. He finished seventh, and on the third day, it was an accuracy gauntlet, which was really designed to wear you out uh, in terms of uh, a lot of targets in very short order, different distances, different trajectories, and that was also the hottest day of the Elite 11 in L.A. He finished fifth that day. So overall, we did a deposit where we basically just took an average of the three days, and Kenny Minchie finished fifth in the Elite 11 over a bunch of big names, right? Uh, every other big name that you can consider in this class outside of Nico and Arch Manning. Kenny, you know, did better then. Uh, Malachi Nelson was right in that mix as well. He was right in that range, which again, if you would have said that six months ago, it would have sounded crazy. It would have sounded like this huge, wow, this is a great late riser story. But when you actually look back at Kenny Minchie, the consistency, the accuracy, the experience, the polish, the demeanor, all of that has been there since he was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And he is kind of on top of that enhanced the smaller areas in his game as he's gotten older, throwing guys open a little bit more comfortable on the run. So when you look at the entire picture, this is one of the best football players in the United States. And he's a guy, even with that injury, that's going to stay in the 99 rankings when we update him for good. John, later on, uh, when you're out of the show, we're going to kind of do a class impact and look at Notre Dame's class as a whole. But I want to kind of get your thoughts as you're starting to, you know, obviously signing day is now less than a month away, right? Early signing period. As you look for your next re-ranking of the recruiting classes, what does landing Kenny Minchie mean for this class from a ranking standpoint? You know, we'll dive in later to kind of what it means for the construction of the class. But I know that's part of what you do. And you're not a points-based system. You're a let me look. What's the talent level? What's the depth? Did they meet their needs? Do they have guys that fit the you know actual things that are related to football? Imagine that. Uh, yeah. So, what does getting Kenny Minchie mean for this Notre Dame class and how it stacks up against the other top classes in the country? Well, you had him what third last time, John? Most third or fourth in the most recent ranking? Yeah, they've been top five throughout. Um, I think um, I think Texas jumped them. They picked up their eighth SI ninety nine guy uh, in October. So they jumped him in the November rankings. But now Notre Dame has its eighth SI-99 recruit. So now at the very top of this thing, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Texas have eight 
SI 99 recruits. Obviously, there are still some others uh, to, to be determined in terms of where they're committing. I think there's a dozen recruits still uncommitted in that 99. So that's a big factor that we weigh. But more importantly, for the Notre Dame perspective, we always look at how complete a class is. Um, and the elephant in that room, in that Notre Dame recruiting room, if you will, has always been quarterback, right? Uh, the whole Dante Moore build up and 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 come down off of that in the offseason. And then, as you mentioned right before I came on, you know, the flip attempts of, of Novosad and some of these other players, uh, Kenny Minchie included, that was that was kind of the story. It was like very good, very good, very good, but the, the but was always surrounding the quarterback position. Uh, and now that question has been answered. And I think when you look at complete classes, you're going to be hard pressed, even if Notre Dame doesn't add any more recruits, which we know they will. Even if they didn't, you're, you're now hard pressed to look at a more balanced and well put together recruiting class on top of, you know, the positional stuff, um, star power, guys who have enhanced their standing as SI 99 guys on top of that. We don't talk about that enough. And, you know, the Peyton Bowens, the Charles Jagasaws of the world who have enhanced uh, everyone's opinion of them and then will move up in the 99. All that stuff uh, projects very well for Notre Dame at the very top. And um, it's not always about just the star power and the balance, but addressing team needs on top of that. I think that's really important to look at here. And, and obviously with what is still ahead for Notre Dame, they're going to have an opportunity to hit those marks and leave basically questions unanswered. You know, they're not going to, or they're not going to leave questions unanswered, I should say. So I think that is the mark of an elite recruiting class. And that's why this is going to be, again, tough to beat when all is said and done. This, this will be, I would imagine, this will be a top three class when all the dust settles, both in December and eventually in February because of, of those marks that Notre Dame has hit. But again, this answers, Kenny Mitchie answers the biggest question all year um, all year we've had uh, surrounding Notre Dame, and really it extends, right, to Marcus Freeman, to Tommy Reese. Um, it extends to all those guys, um, and I think that that's where the impact is immediately felt. But long-term, the balance and the overall juice of this class, it, it just feels different uh, at Notre Dame. I think we should now start to talk about the Irish when we talk about, you know, Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and recruiting, um, they're the the new one that should stay in that conversation when we start talking about the elites, um, because the, the turnover from Kelly to, to Freeman uh, and, and an enhanced recruiting level on top of that, despite some on field struggles. I mean, that's really, really fascinating. Something I know we talked about a lot on the Lucky Lefty pod um, the other day. Uh, really fascinating to see how the ebb and flows have affected uh, Notre Dame in this class, but when the dust settles, it's it's going to look pretty darn good. I want to say this too, real quick. Uh, SI ninety nine had Kenny Minchie ranked ahead of Jackson Arnold. I know there's he's a kid that's got a very wide ranking as well, like Kenny Minchie, but we did they did have him ahead of Jackson Arnold, which I, again, not Jackson Arnold still in the SI ninety nine, but Kenny Minchie was higher, which puts a little bit into perspective. And just before we get let John go. Uh, the the looking at the kids, this is the pre-senior season ranking, so it does not reflect the kind of season that that Peyton Bowen and Jagus and other players have had. This is the pre-senior season ranking that Pey we had. Uh, we saw Peyton Bowen number thirty-four overall, uh, J Charles Jagasaw forty-seven, Drake Bowen fifty-one, Jaden Osbury sixty, Braylon James seventy-two, Kenny Minchie eighty. Uh, uh, Jaden Greathouse 83 and Micah Bell 89 
and uh, I will be pounding on the table here in a month uh, about adding Jeremiah Love into this conversation as well uh, with the senior season that he's having. But, John, I want to thank you so much. I know you have a bunch of other commitments, but John was very nice enough to jump on here for a couple minutes. Appreciate you, John, and uh, we'll definitely get you back on. And if you are not, subscribe to CFB Nation's channel. These are two of our new hosts, right? So, obviously, John would have started earlier, but uh, he had, uh, is now a father. So that kind of kept it, took, took him away for a little bit, but he's now back at it. And yes, he does uh, multiple shows a week on the CFB Nation channel talking about the state of recruiting. So he'll talk about Notre Dame when it's relevant. This week it'll be relevant. Uh, and then also national recruiting. And it does a great, great job. Very objective, very well done. So sign up, CFB Nation, subscribe, check out John's work. And you can also find the Lucky Lefty channel. So, John, thank you so much for, for joining us today, buddy. We'll, we'll talk to you again here soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for everybody uh, for, for tuning in, all that fun stuff. We'll see you soon. Congrats, John, by the way. Congrats. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. All right, boys, that's <clears throat> that's coming from John Garcia, Jr., obviously uh, very high on Kenny Minchie. And that was, again, that ranking came when Kenny Minchie was a commit to Pitt. That's not a, a ranking that's based off, oh, the kids committed here, so let's bump them up. That's like <laughs> I saw the kids film, loved it. We saw them in person. It was even better than the film, and so this is a kid that we've got to we've got to make a run at, and uh, and now he is committed to Notre Dame. So, uh, big time pickup, big time pickup. And and I on guys, I can understand somebody not having him in the top hundred, just because he doesn't have some of the physical tools you look for. He's not six four. He's not you know. Although he's gotten taller, I mean, I, I was told yes. he measured a, li- in o- a little over six two at Notre Dame. So he's grown at least two inches in the last year and a half. And really starting to fill out. There's a picture from the visit where he's sitting, standing next to Drew Pine, who's in cleats, and he's like towering over Drew Pine. Yes. You know what I mean? So uh, he is, he's, I think that's a big thing is he's really filled out that size. Yeah. And that's been, that's been really big for him and big for Notre Dame. And Brian, I, I know that everyone hyper, again, I, I keep, I keep using the word hyper focus in on this podcast today. Excuse me for that. But, Everyone talks about the Dante Moore fiasco and the saga that it that kind of went with, with that, Sean. Right, but I think that Kenny Minchie, in a lot of ways, the he he brings a lot of the same attributes that we were all such big fan of Dante Moore and what he could potentially bring to Notre Dame. And it's not a one for one because each player is their own individual athlete and individual football player, so it's not a direct one to one. But I mean, when you're talking about the ability to get the ball out quick to get through your progressions, to be accurate with the football, to do some stuff off script that kind of takes you off guard a little bit. A lot of the same things that Dante Moore brings to the table are things that Kenny Minchie does as well, which is interesting. And it's going to be fun to see, especially how early on in their careers that him and CJ Carr kind of compare stylistically. Cause I feel like there is some comparisons, some differences, but I think that they mesh really well together yeah. when you really think about it. I think they also have enough contrasting styles too that they both fit the offense very similarly, and that's important. Like the stylistic difference between Kenny Minchie and and CJ Carr is not nearly as wide as the difference between Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, as far as how you have to shape the offense around them. I think that Kenny is a little bit more comfortable in the pocket going through progressions than CJ. Again, he's he's a year older from an experience standpoint. CJ's the more dynamic athlete the more, you know, run around, make plays off script. You know, Kenny can make plays off script, but but CJ's a, a, a much – I mean, he's a he's a very underrated – I don't think people appreciate how dynamic of a player 
CJ Carr is athletically in the pocket. And he's more of a he's more of a, like a, a Pat Mahomes type than a Josh Allen type in that he's dynamic is trying to run around by time and throw the ball down the field as opposed mm-hmm. to just taking off and running. But he can run too. He had a what is 70 something yard touchdown called back uh, in his last game of his, of the year. But they're both pocket guys, and that's the key. And, and we'll address why that matters a little bit more uh, later. But I think what we're seeing, guys, in the last three years, and this includes Steve Angeli, is we're seeing Tommy Reese finally zero in on a type. Mm-hmm. And I think this was something that that was a little puzzling during the beginning of Kelly's tenure is there was always these different types of quarterbacks. And like, you know, like the, the offense you're going to run with Malik Zaire is going to look a lot th- different than the offense you're going to run with with Ever Golson or Gunnar Keel or and then Deshaun Kaiser and then Brandon Wimbush was a little bit different and it was like you kind of had to change some things to go from one quarterback to another and then we saw obviously one year you bring in Ian Book the next year bringing Avery Davis and you're like these kids not anywhere they're so different and then yeah. you know Phil Dracovic in 18 Tyler Buckner in 20 uh 21 and then Drew Pine in 20 it's like these are all these are incredibly different types of players yeah I think what you've seen from from uh, Tommy Reese the last three classes, this again includes Steve Angeli, is he is trying to say, okay, this is who I want this offense to be. So instead of recruiting kids that I then got to adapt to what they do, let me go recruit kids that do what I want. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why you're seeing these guys because he wants guys that can make plays off script. He does. He wants yeah. guys that can run around and buy time and make those plays. That was why he let Ian, gave Ian Book the freedom he did to kind of play that game in 2020, but his primary attribute is I want a guy that can sit in the pocket and rip you up. Yeah. And, you know, Steve Angeli's a pocket kid. Who's a quality athlete. Kenny CJ Carr's a pocket kid. Who's a really good athlete. And then Kenny Minchie is a pocket kid. Who's a pretty good athlete as well. So I think that's a, we're finally seeing some continuity, Sean, from the style and type of quarterback that they're saying. And I think that's, that's important. I think the spotlight now shifts primarily to what's going to happen when these guys get here. Right. Right. Like in 2025 recruiting, Sean, don't forget about 2025 recruiting. Because look, the, I don't want to say excuse, but I would say the spotlight has been shifted or primarily focused on recruiting, getting guys. Who are we getting? Like the guys we've gotten haven't been enough. That's been the narrative, right? And that was driven by the former. Like so now that you have a CJ Carr, that you have a Kenny Minchie, Steve Angeli, regardless of what you think about them, you have your types lined up for three consecutive classes. All right, buddy. There is no more narrative. Like that's gone. Now what are you going to do with this? Because you have enough. You have talent. You have tall quarterbacks that are pocket guys that are athletic enough to make plays off script. This is what you want. This is your type. Now, what are they going to do? How are they developing? The ball is in your court. Mm-hmm. It's in your yeah. court. That narrative doesn't hold up anymore. So the fan base can't, we can't say that anymore. So regardless of what you think of the OC and his job, the job he's done this year, game to game, play calling, (laughs) the spotlight for that room is hot. 
Yes. And it's totally focused on him. Yeah. Now, and that's like, where he wants it to be. Yeah. And that's oh, where he because I, I've really felt there was a time, guys, where I felt like Brian Kelly purposely didn't recruit big time quarterbacks because he didn't want to have to deal with the ego. And I really felt like that he kind of wanted to be able to have the Ian book types to kind of, you know, lower maintenance, do exactly what I say. They're not stallions that I have to break. And, you know, because he dealt with a lot of the attitudes, the, you know, the mm-hmm. Everett and his issues and Gunnar Keel yeah. and his issues and. You know, and um, Deshaun Kaiser and his issues where it's just like, you know what, dude, just give me some three star, you know, that's why you, so you see him go after an Avery Davis. You see him go after Nian Book and mm-hmm. guys like that. And then, of course, he didn't really get along well with Phil Jakovic, who was another highly ranked guy. And then after that, it's just like it's almost like they were sabotaging every big time. It's like, you know, you guys were talking this summer, Sean, on the, on the uh, Lucky Lefty show about how, you know, Caleb Williams is like, yeah, Notre Dame didn't really recruit me. Yeah. <laughs> like. You know, didn't even try. And right. he's a Catholic school DC kid that had interest in Notre Dame. Now, would he have gone to Notre Dame? Probably not. They didn't even try. And, you know, and, and we saw that last year. It's like, why aren't you guys even trying to go after a big time guy? Well, yeah. what we've seen really, especially, I mean, you know, they were going after Dante Moore when Kelly was still here, but we've really seen them ramp up that where they're, you know, Tommy's going after the the studs, the dudes, right? But dudes that fit his system. And I think that's that's going to be the key. Let's pull up some film here, guys. We're going to watch a little bit of Kenny's junior film and, and some in the senior film and uh, break this down. So as we always do when we do these shows, we do a little film room and we'll talk about his game. We'll talk about the things we like. And you guys are going to see, you know, you guys are going to see the attributes that make him, in my opinion, a, a really talented player. And you're also going to see um, who, what was it? I forget who was it. Was it Sean or Ryan that was talking about, um, you know, there's a lot of stylistic similarities between what he brings to the game that Dante brought to the game. Yeah. And the biggest one is he's a very natural passer, guys. Throwing a football is a very natural thing for Kenny Minchie, and you see it all the time. And here's why that's important to me. A natural passer is going to have a very consistent release, and a very consistent release is key number two behind Actually, I'd say even say key number one if you're arm strong enough. But in with most quarterbacks, it's key number two behind great feet to being a really precise quarterback. And that's why Kenny Minchie is, as John Garcia said in what this film will show, a very precise quarterback. And hey, Brian, I, like the play right before that, it's so subtle. And maybe I'm tripping. This one? No. He goes, that one. It's this one right here. Watch how subtle. Because most quarterbacks do the fake. On the stop mm-hmm. and go, and they just exaggerate. He just literally just uses shoulders, yeah. just subtle. And he flicks and it. This is this is from the far hash to the, the the one hash to the next hash, right up the seam, and just flicks it. It's just an easy throw. Look how net, look how clean that is. Just really tight, really compact. Yes, you're right, Sean. Yeah, very nice, cool. easy. The anticipation too. This is something that's really big. So I want to stop. I'm going to see if I can stop this at the right time. This is something that I have been – so the ball's coming out. Receiver hasn't gotten past the DB yet. Y'all see this? He's mm-hmm. throwing the ball into an open zone where his there are three defensive backs closer to that zone than his receiver. But he knows their, he can read their body, where they're coming from, and he knows where his receiver is going. This is something we've complained a lot about at Notre Dame, where with Ian Book, we complained about it with Drew Pine, where, you know, the anticipations are there. This is partly what made Jack Cohn so good, is even though he didn't have elite physical tools by any stretch, is 
He knew the offense and he knew where to throw the ball. The anticipation that Kenny Minchie shows, this is junior film. And then just dropping it right over that outside shoulder over the top is just a thing of beauty. It's That's that mental acumen. When you want to know, well, how do you know if a guy's a really smart football player? It's stuff like that. Yeah. Where he's throwing guys open, not waiting on guys to come open. And you see him do that. There's another example. He throws this ball. This guy's not open when he throws his football. But he knows he's going to get open. Yep. where he throws the ball. And I, I always compare it a little bit to a pitcher, Brian. Oh, you know, when we're gosh. talking about the release point that he has, and you talked about it, right, it's very consistent. Everything looks the same. And when you're a good pitcher, you want your fastball and your changeup and your curveball to look the same coming out of your hand so that it's difficult for a hitter to kick up on. Think about that as the defensive side of things now. The thing that I love about Kenny Minchie is that he – does what I call changing arm speeds a ton, right? It's the same release point, but he's able to take a little bit off, put a little bit on. And I think when we get to the senior film, everyone's going to kind of see, I think that he really took a step forward from just velocity, hitting yes. some in-breaking routes, out-breaking routes, but the trajectory and the changing of arm speeds and the different and the different touch throws that he's that is on film as a senior were on film as a junior. Those things were mm-hmm. all there. It's just physically he matured, obviously, from junior to senior right. year. Right, and the thing that I love about his junior film, Ryan, is is you see so much of the mental part where he doesn't his arm isn't quite as strong as it as it ended up becoming, which we started to see this summer at some of the Elite Eleven stuff. He was throwing with a lot more juice than he had been. But this this is another example of this. If he if he waits at all on this throw, it's getting picked off. His timing, his anticipation. Then also the other thing is if he leads this guy, this guy gets destroyed. Yeah. And it's or it gets picked off the ball placement here that when we talk about accuracy to me, accuracy has really does not has not doesn't have a lot to do with uh, completion percentage. You can be a not overly accurate quarterback and have a high completion percentage depending on the system you play in. And you could be a guy that's very accurate. But if you play in a downhill vertical passing game, you're not going to be a 70 percent passer. Ball placement is what I mean by accuracy. Accuracy doesn't always mean hitting a guy in stride or out in front of him. If he throws this ball, what would be considered a an accurate pass, it's picked. This ball has to be on this guy's back shoulder, and he puts it on him perfectly. Or your wide receivers in the hospital as well, right. to your point. Right. right. This ball's got to get over top of a linebacker. So he puts it right over top of a linebacker with some zip. Guy goes up and gets it. Throws in rhythm. I mean, just look at him. I mean, just fitting the ball in between dudes. He just knows when guys are going to come open. This is another ball. He does not throw this ball when the guy's in the open hole. He throws the ball before the guy gets in the open hole. And that's such a – it's a very important piece of this, fellas. And just bam. He's uh, he's I, one of those kids, Brian, that sometimes you see the quarterbacks at some smaller levels that also have to play defense so they understand where zones are going to open up. And obviously that's not in Kenny's case, right? Like he's a true quarterback. He doesn't do that type of stuff. But he just has a innate understanding of this is where I'm attacking. This is the hole. Where are the defensive players as far as what coverage are they playing? Where Where is the hole going to be closed? Where is it going to be open so I know where I have to – take something off where I have to hit a certain window. He has a really good understanding because I think most of his throws you'll see if it's like a a underneath zone coverage, he has a feathery touch to kind of work over the second level. This this right here, Ryan is my favorite throw from Kenny Minchie. This is the one when I was talking to y'all last week, this is the throw I was talking about. 
Yep. There is nothing fundamentally sound about this as far as how you would teach a guy. He doesn't step to the target because he can't. He sees the guy coming open, and if he waits and turns his hips and his feet, he's going to throw it out of bounds. He throws that ball into an open zone, and with, with a different arm angle, he's got to drop his arm angle to get it out and throws it into the open zone and lets his receiver run to it. That That's – and he does it against – you can see it. He does it against the defender. He sees the defender and then throws it away from him. That's great, great – meant. That's a. he's got a great mind for the game. When I talk about that, that's an example. He sees – reads the defense. You can see him just working – watch him working his head through the progressions, right? He's going there. Nope, nope, bam, come back. Okay, there we go. Let's throw into that open zone. And he gets the ball out. And just his feel for the game and, – and look, when we talk about guys that have it, those are the things you look for, right? Yeah. Like when 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 NFL people are talking about Mac Jones, I can promise you, no one was sitting in a, in a scouting room saying, "Yo, this kid's got uh, uh, an uh, an arm that reminds me of John Elway." Boy, this kid's as athletic as Randall. Nobody was saying that. He had none of those traits. But you're like, man, this kid's mental IQ is off the charts. His anticipation, his accuracy. What I would say about a kid like Kenny Minchie is he shows that type of game as a young player but he has better physical tools than a Mac Jones had coming out of high school. And that's the exciting thing about it. Ryan, I'm interested in, in, in seeing what you think about this, because as I watch this film, I'm thinking about the nexus between pre-snap and post-snap mm-hmm. and like the belief that a guy has and what he sees and right. then having the faith to let it play out. And that, that favorite clip that Brian showed, like he manipulates the zone. Like, he looks left first. It's almost like he knows he wants to go right, and he manipulates everyone left and then just flips it. Believing in what he saw pre-snap and what he saw post-snap and just took his time and knew that's where he wanted to go. And that's amazing. Like, this is his junior film. Like, this is his junior film. And to see a young man like that, we can talk about accuracy and the physical traits but just the mental aptitude for the position. Like he's a, he's a quarterback. He's not an mm-hmm. athlete trying to play right. quarterback. He's a quarterback. Who happens and, to be somewhat athletic. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, just talk about that a little bit, Ryan, because you break down yeah. the film all the time, just the nexus between pre-snap, the post-snap, you know, for young guys at that position. Oops. To Oops. see him doing what he's, what he's doing on his junior film. Is, yeah. I don't know well, what happened to that. First, first and foremost, Sean, I think that Kenny Minchie's watching some of my uh, flag football highlights, and I think he's stealing some of my throws. But um, the, the, it's a great point, though, Sean. I mean, it really is, right? When people talk about the ability to process processing, yeah. I couple that into two things, right? One is the pre-snap processing, which, okay, I see where my safeties are aligned. I see where the second-level defenders are aligned. I see where the cornerbacks, what leverage they're playing. And I have in my mind, it's probably one of two coverages, let's say, right? Like I see too high. My mind goes, hey, it's some form of cover two or cover four. Like that's probably what my mind is telling me, right? So you can tell the processing of a pre-snap as soon as the quarterback gets his eyes down the field, where his eyes go tell you what he thought it was pre-snap, right? Based upon what route concept they're running, pre-snap, that's the progression. Yeah, That's the processing. But then to your point – a lot of teams, not as much high school teams as you'll see in college and then to the NFL, they disguise coverages, right? So they're going to line up and let's say a too high shell 
and then they're going to rotate a guy down, and then all of a sudden it becomes cover one, cover three, you know, a, a combination coverage, whatever it is. And that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the really great ones, in my opinion, right? A lot of quarterbacks can see that pre-snap stuff, and if it's open, they can throw to it and they can hit it. But the post-snap processing, when things change abruptly, the ability to get through that process so quickly and say, oh, they rolled to three. Now I know this is where I need to go. This is the hole that I need to attack. This is where my my process now turns to. That's something that you see on Kenny Minchie's film right now. Like his processing is at a very high level right now. Again, we're looking at the junior film. Senior film, I thought was even – the processing was always on the junior film. So the senior film continued those traits. But then when you couple the fact that, hey, he got bigger – he got stronger. His traits are now at a much higher level than they were as a junior. Then you're kind of like, I think John said it perfectly, right, Brian? He said, what is he missing, right? Like, where's the hole? What hole are you poking in this kid aside from the injury that he had for a couple the, of games, the right? only The only hole you can really poke from a scouting standpoint is just you compare his size and body to that of Arch and Nico and and some of those other guys that are, you know, Vizina. Sure, guys like that. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's a it's a like it's that kind of thing, right? Which is to me still a little bit of a byproduct of the previous era. I mean, we're we're seeing the NFL. Yes, the Pat Mahomes and the Josh Allen's are great players, but there's been plenty of guys that don't don't fit that profile that are equally great players. You know, yeah. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, guys like that. You know, and so to me, I think it's it's just. You're looking for playmakers, especially, and that's more of an NFL thing. Like, I think the size still is still means more in the NFL to me than it does college. I still think you need to be a, you know, the Russell Wilsons are still a little bit of the anomalies in the NFL. The Drew Brees are still the anomalies a little bit in the NFL. In college football, they're not. You know, you can be that dude. Yeah. And and I think that's the only thing he would be missing would be that. You know, if he was 6'4", 215. You know, and I think the other thing that you say, what's he missing – is if you're someone who's looking for a guy that's more of a runner, he's not that. Right. He can he can he's a he's a chain mover. He can scramble. He can step into a clean you know a pocket and run for 15 yards. He's not Tyler Buckner. He's right. not, not CJ not Carr. Power even. read and right. that type of stuff. Right. Right. I get that. Can you run third and four? Can you run a read zone? If teams are collapsing the backside and have him pull it and run sure. for 15 or 20, darn right. right. Is he a kid that can get out of the pocket and scramble and do some of the things we've seen Drew Pine do this year? Absolutely. 100%. You know, yeah. and and so he brings that. But again, that's not what Tommy Reese is looking for. Tommy Reese, would Tommy Reese love to have a, a, a John Elway? Everyone would, <laughs> right? A guy that can run and, you know, would he love to have that kind of unique player? Sure, everybody mm-hmm. would. Mm-hmm. But ideally, the first, the thing that's most important to him is I need a guy that can sit in a pocket and rip you up and run my offense, R- per- go through progressions, read the whole field. You can maybe say, hey, yeah, you shouldn't do that, whatever. But he's recruiting guys that can do that mentally. And right. I have heard a lot. We heard a lot from the first time we started hearing about C.J. Carr. One thing we heard is this is one of the smartest young quarterbacks you'll ever meet. I've mm-hmm. heard that many times. And you, you know, you don't, you're not surprised when you consider what he grew up around. Right. Sure. Well, we're hearing the same thing about Kenny Minchie. So, yeah. right, isn't this what a good coach would do? I actually want to run the offense that I that I'm running. I want to run a pro style offense with a lot of different concepts. Okay. Well, go get guys that can do it then. And that's what Tommy's doing. He just signed arguably 
the highest football IQ guy in the 23 and 24 classes. Are there guys with better arms? Yes. Are there better athletes? Yes. But again, this is what recruiting to your system is supposed to look like. And as we pop up the senior film, I think you're going to see even more of that because as you said, Ryan, you're going to see a little bit of an uptick in velocity from his senior film. And you also see a kid that you first clip, you guys, you see this kid grew. You can see that from the first clip. This kid got taller. So, and then guess what? He's back to throwing dimes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that didn't change. So, and that's the athlete. See, again, that's the athleticism we talk about. He's going to use his athleticism to make a throw, you know, now, see, that's, right there, that's Avery Bryce Youngish. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I'm just the ability to move out of the pocket. But when you move out of the pocket, you're just really trying to find a lane. Keep your eyes open. Get the ball yeah. to your guy. Keep it. For so, y'all, y'all got to understand when Sean talks about comparing someone to Bryce Young, Sean, <laughs> that's Sean's dude. That's in my college dude. football right now. It's great player, <laughs> that's, man. It's great that's player. My dude. I'll say this too, throwing a little bit of uh kind of a clap clap to uh number 10 on his offense as well as a good football player, by the way. I don't know if you guys noticed him in the clips. No, he's I'm too busy really rocking this quarterback that's balling out. Yeah, Sean, I'm you, Sean, back to what you were saying though, is 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 get back to what before I interrupted you, what you were talking about in regard to you know, just keeping your eyes open as you move, you know, because again, you want to, what do you want to do? Keep your eyes in the down the field, not on the pass rush. That's and that's that's a hard thing to do, Sean. You know that. That's important, but there's something else. He became a dude. And I go back to the evaluation that Malik had when he was watching him. He said, dude, he moves amongst other great players as a dude. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't take a back seat because he was around Malachi, Malachi Nelson and Jackson Arnold and the other guys. No, no, no. He felt like he deserved to be there, and he walked around like he deserved to be there. That's the type of mentality he has. I think I look at his senior film in comparison to his junior film. It was almost it's almost like everything's the same, but he just has a different swag. Mm-hmm. He just have now he's like really believing. Like yeah, I've grown a little bit. I'm coming into my own now. I'm really that dude. And so this is what Notre Dame is getting. A guy. Look, I said this. And people might disagree. I'm like, yo, he's not coming in with the mindset of red shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not. He might end up red shirting, but that's not the mindset he's coming in with. Right? My guy, when he got to Alabama, he wanted to start. He competed to start and got beat out by Mac Jones. He pushed Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And it made him better. But he didn't come to Alabama saying, okay, I'm cool sitting and waiting a year. No. He has the mentality like, "I'm look, like you said, man, I'm watching this team and they're, they're a quarterback away. Well, who, who do you think he thought the quarterback was? <laughs> he wasn't thinking C.J. Carr or any, you know. No. Yeah. He, Real quick too, Sean, is, is to your point though, you're seeing a lot more of this in his senior film. A lot more of this stuff in his senior film. Yeah. This off script, getting mm-hmm. outside, having to throw out of the pocket, you know, but he's still, like you said, though, he's looking to get rid of the football, you know, and, but he, he you know, he'll run if he needs to, but when he moves around, it's, it's to get rid of the football. This is a, 
It's a heck of a ball right there. Well, Brian, Just you know, flicks it 45 yards off his back foot, by the way. How, how I would qualify it is this kid is a because people kind of get this misinterpreted sometimes. They start talking about the off script ability before they talk about the in script ability, right? You have to be an on script player. And then what you do off the script turns you from a good player to a great player, a great player right. to an elite player. Like that's a separator, right? But what I think we saw from Kenny Minchie as a senior is that he already had this, the on-script stuff, right? He was already mm-hmm. accurate. He was already a very smart player. He went through his progressions. But this, I think as a senior, he got bigger, he got stronger, he got more comfortable with his ability as an athlete and working in those out-of-structure situations because you saw him a lot more on the run, work in the pocket, maybe buying an extra second that he wouldn't do as a junior. I think the physical tools just took a big step up from junior to senior film, but he already had the baseline of being a really good on-script player that can make things happen in the pocket with poise, with precision. And you're, you're seeing an evolution, I think, of a quarterback from junior to senior year here. That's, yeah. This is tremendous ball placement right here, by the yeah. way. That's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, Ryan, if he leads this guy, it's either a pick or oh, his yeah. receivers in the hospital. You know, somebody get a or, gurney or both, <laughs> right? Or both. Or both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody get a gurney. Yeah. Uh, no, he. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just a little bit of a um, um, nothing to lose reference there. But uh, and, and <laughs> if we're if we're gonna nitpick, the one thing that drives me a little crazy with Kenny Mitch, just a little bit. Is when he does get outside the pocket, the ball gets a little loose, yeah. right? A little he, yeah. loose, but that, that's teachable. That's teachable. Yeah, it does. It does. He gets he gets a little, but you know that's a lot of young quarterbacks, though, right? But here's what happens: first time he's in practice, and he's running around, and Josh Burnham hits him from behind, and knocks that sucker out, strip sack. Yeah, and like yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I think I I'm on a different world now. I'm not playing yeah. against cats from you know Tennessee private school league. I, I'm facing some dudes. And yeah, I think that's why he came to Notre Dame, right? You don't come to Notre Dame thinking I'm going to be the 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 you know big fish in a small pond. I'm I, I, he wants to be a big he wants to be a big fish in a big pond. That's that's what he wants to be, right? It, it's yeah. not he doesn't want to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond. He wants to be the big fish in a big pond, yeah. and that's what you're looking for. You know, that's what you're looking for. So let's talk about so now we break down the film. Yeah, let's talk about the class impact. Because I think this is important, and and it, it it's not going to reflect in the rankings like it should to me, because mm-hmm. of where he's ranked by some and the way that some of these team you know these people do like their rankings. It's just kind of silly, and you know. But for me, this is huge, fellas, because to me, you got a top hundred quarterback in a year loaded with big time quarterbacks in a year where quarterback was a huge need for your football team. I mean, it, it all lines up and the, the ability of this staff on offense, Tommy Reese, Chancey Stuckey, Dylan McCullough, Jared Parker, and Harry Heastan to put this offensive class together without a quarterback is exceptional. Yes. And usually you need the quarterback to put the class together, right? They did it opposite. They went out and got a great receiving class, a, a, a one of the the five to seven best tight ends in the class, arguably, you know, top ten at least. You got a, a running back room that I don't know anyone outside of maybe Bama would want to would want to trade for that one, right? Yeah. And then you look at the offensive line class, one of the three or four best in the country, if not the best right now. And we'll see if that holds. 
and you're sitting there like, okay, what are we missing, right? So the pitch changed. The pitch became, bro, we got all this for you. Now we just need you, right? Now we need yeah. that trigger man. Yeah. And and that that mattered to Kenny Minchie, fellas. Like, so we could say, oh, Tommy Reese did a great job landing Kenny Minchie, and he did to close this one out. But it's it's Tommy Reese did in, in the staff did two things. Number one is he laid the foundation of a relationship over the summer. Right. Right. If he didn't lay the foundation from a relationship standpoint over the summer, he can't close on it now. Right. That's huge. And say, well, Kenny meet reached back out to Tommy Reese. Yeah, why? It wasn't just because he loves Notre Dame. It's also because, like, hey, I, I could play for this guy. Yeah. Right. No, and, and and it was that relationship that led him to think about playing with this guy. Right. And then number two is okay, we don't have our quarterback, so let's build the rest and then make it attractive to a quarterback. And for a guy that we've beat up on a lot this year. For and, and other people have beat up on even more. That was very important, you know. So say, so, well, he didn't he didn't recruit quarterback well. I'm like, well, he did get CJ Carr, you know, and he did have Dante Moore committed for months, right? Like they didn't lose Dante Moore because Tommy Reese did something wrong, right? Well, it, it, you know. So, but if Tommy would and people say well, he should have moved on sooner, well, let me tell you all something, folks. If he would have moved on sooner. This is the kid he would have moved on to. I'm yeah. just telling you right now. This is the kid he would have moved on to because they loved Kenny. So here's here's what the evolution of Kenny Minchie. I think I mentioned this, but they had him at camp, I think sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And they loved how he threw. They loved his attitude, his demeanor, his mind. They saw up close and personal the kind of IQ, football IQ this kid had. He just was six feet tall and skinny and didn't have a huge arm. Yeah. They kept tabs on him, and they loved his junior film. But by that point in time, it's kind of all in on Dante, rightfully so. But this is a kid that they, if they would have done what a lot of people said, you should have moved on from Dante sooner. Okay, this is where they would have gone, everybody. I'm, I'm just telling you, that's a fact. That's not my guess. That's not an assumption. This is coming from conversations I've had long ago with people that would know that this is where they would have gone. Mm-hmm. And so they got their guy. And it didn't get there in the the path that you normally take to get a quarterback. At the end of the day, they got it. Now you add a top 100 quarterback to this class with that running back room, Jaden Lamar, Jeremiah Love, dudes. This receiving core, Braylon James, top 100 player. Jaden Greathouse, top 100 player. Dylan Edwards would be a top 100 player consensus if he was two inches taller. You know what I mean? Enrico Flores, who nobody talks about anymore, who is dominating big time level of California football right now. Yep. Right? You got Cooper Flanagan from one of the best high school programs in the country, and you've got one of the best offensive line classes in the country. This was what you were missing. So, from a class impact standpoint, guys, you now went from, yeah, it's a good class, but to, I don't know if I'd trade this offensive class for anybody else's. Yep. I really, I, I really don't know if I would. And that's not not even from a Notre Dame homers, just looking at they got impact talent across the board. They got depth across the board. Mm-hmm. They met every numbers need. They met impact need where they got it. They got positional fits. The receiver class is complimentary. The running back room is complimentary. The tight end is complimentary to what you got last year. I, I mean, guys, I don't know if I could have drawn it up any better 
maybe, hey, I would have loved to have this guy or that guy, maybe. But I'm just saying looking for the talent for what it is, this is an absolute home run of an offensive class, fellas. Absolute yeah. home run. I mean, and when you look at it, Brian, when you look at – I mean, you're an offensive line commit away from having a full lineup on both sides of the football. I mean, that's where you're at right now, right? Like, it's it's wild to think the progression, especially of the offensive class, because that was the one – if we go back a few months ago – if the defensive class was like up here and the offensive class, you were like, oh, we need to search for some answers here, right? Yeah. Like, we're, Are they going to get a commitment anytime soon? Right. right. That's what right. people were saying. Like, oh, man, this offensive coach's staff can't recruit. And you're just like, guys, <laughs> it'll be okay. It's just what, what, had... what were we saying, guy, Ryan? Come on now. Out. Let it play there out. You go. Yes, yes. And I mean, and when we really think about it, we talked about it then. Marcus Freeman was a, the defensive coordinator, right? So that rollover gives you an advantage on the defensive side of the football from a recruiting perspective. I mean, that was just a natural thing, right? Yeah. So when we look at where Notre Dame has now come from this point, you could argue, I mean, they have a top three class on every major recruiting platform. Yeah. And they have gotten there, to your point, Brian, doing it the hard way. You know, getting a quarterback last is harder than if they would have gotten one early and been able to sell the vision of your quarterback playing with, you know, Braylon James. Braylon, you want to go play with that kid, right? Jane Greathouse, you want to go play with that kid? You want to protect that kid? The kid's really good, right? You sold it the complete opposite way, which is a testament to the coaching staff. I mean, you mentioned it, right? The NIL era, first year with, with a new coach, all the obstacles that you have generally from a Notre Dame perspective on the recruiting trail, the disadvantages you have, Notre Dame still is able to close on what is potentially a historic and class. And they're not done yet. They're not done There's yet. There's still another offensive spot they're trying to fill. Well, actually two. Two. Because they want to get Caleb Smith, the receiver, and they want to get Christopher Tarek on offensive line. they got to close there. But uh, I, I think the other thing, too, guys, is, is – that I think that narr- I didn't even think about that, Ryan. I kind of mm-hmm. had forgotten about that constant narrative of the offensive guy's going to do anything. Yeah. Are they going to land anyway? They got Cooper Flanagan and it's like, like it, right? And they had like Cedric Irvin was, Jr. and Cooper Cedric Flanagan, Irvin, and that yeah. was like it. That was, that it, was it for it. a long time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the SI 99, they have eight players in the SI 99, guys. Four of them are offensive players and four of them are defensive players. But here's the thing we've seen Notre Dame land three, four top 100 guys in, the, in there, but it's always an offensive lineman and tight ends. This, it's a quarterback, two receivers, and an offensive lineman. And as yeah. I said before, when we sit down and have our SI-99 rankings, believe me, I will be shouting loudly about Jeremiah Love needing to be in that top 100. <laughs> believe that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and then Jeremiah, Jaden Lamar is a guy that nobody's talking about who's having a monster senior season now that he's come back from an injury. You know, where he's being overshadowed because of how good this class is, where in other years – we're talking about Jay Lamar being one of the best players in your class. And now nobody's talking about him. Nobody's talking about Rico Flores. If Notre Dame would have flipped a Rico Flores late last year's class, people would have been doing backflips. Yeah. You got a borderline top 100 receiver. Rivals has him right outside top 100 from California who puts up big numbers against that schedule. <laughs> you, he had Ohio State, Georgia offers. Oh, wow. This, But because he was in a class with – Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James and all these other guys. Nobody's talking about him. That kid's a baller. You know what I mean? And and here's the big thing, too, guys, is recruiting rankings aside, this was needed. Looking at the Notre Dame football team at 23 and 24, they needed dudes that could come in and play 
within their first two years, if not their for some receiver, some their first year. Yeah. And honestly, there's a lot of that. Kenny Minchie is that, and we'll answer that when we get to the mailbag. Lamar and Jeremiah love that, and all the receivers are guys can come in and play year one and year two without question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the only guys that are gonna need some time are just typical, like the linemen. You know, you want to get Sam Pendleton and Joe Odding and those guys some time to develop, but even there. You got guys that I mean, Sam Pendleton physically is going to be ready to play by his second year. I mean, what really by his first year, he's yeah. got to get in shape. And you know, all linemen have that adjustment, right? That's not a knock on Sam Pendleton. You know, there's technical things he's got to learn, stuff like that. But like, he's going to come in one of the strongest freshmen you've had in a long time, right? right. He's over 300 pounds. Joe Odding's got to fill out. Sullivan Absher needs a lot of technique work, but physically, Sullivan Absher is not that far away. No. No. Charles Jagasaw could come in and play right away if he can figure out the offense and, and the technique part of it. But physically, that kid can come in and play right away. Cooper yep. Flanagan physically can come in and play and be your number two blocking tight end next season yep. if the need is there. There's no question because of the size and strength and athleticism he brings. So that's the other thing, guys. It's not just rankings on a piece of paper. Practically speaking, now that you have Kenny Mitch in the class, this is a complete rooting, recruiting class. Now, yeah. if you're able to get Caleb Smith and if you're able to get Christopher Tarek, now you literally are saying, we got, we just kind of got greedy and just wanted more. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to do. And, and I would argue that Caleb Smith is a need. I would argue that based on what the current receiving depth chart looks like and his unique skill set, I would argue he's still a need yeah. at this point in time. But still, it's like, oh, boy. They've well, done a heck of a job putting this class together, guys. Without, right. I'll say it again, without a quarterback. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And I, I know early in this process, we, we talked about, hey, the, the focus for Coach Freeman and his staff is you want to get longer and you want to get more athletic at every spot, right? And I would ask anybody out there if you want to throw in some conversation here right what position group in the 2023 class has Notre Dame not gotten longer or more athletic or both that's where you are right now the wide receivers Braylon James right the length that he has the athleticism Dylan Edwards the 4-3 speed working for the slot and kind of like a gadget Jeremiah Love I could argue and I know some people would push back at this but the moment that Jeremiah Love steps on campus, Brian, you can make an argument that he's the most talented running back on the roster. You can make that argument, right? Charles Jagasaw gives you a I, I know some people that, that would argue with you against you with Jadarian yeah. Price, but the conversation and, is being And had. I would accept that. And I but would the accept com- that. The point is, Ryan, the conversation <laughs> is being had, and, 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 and that's the point. You're yep. talking about physical gifts. 
Yep. Yes. And adding adding length and explosiveness everywhere. Charles Jagasaw is a freak show. He could be a top 25 player in this class with the senior film that I have seen, right? You take a look at Bubakar Traore with the talent that he has. Armel Mukum, who is the raw traitsy kid that needs to develop. I mean, the kid's a freak show, though, from an mm-hmm. athleticism perspective. Yeah. An absolute freak show. Drake yeah. Bowen, a guy that we talk about in nauseam and for good reason. Peyton Bowen, 4-3 athlete. Probably the best player that you have in this class in a vacuum, right? So you have gotten. I didn't even mention Micah Bell, who only runs, you know, four three two. He's your best player in a runs. vacuum, in an open yeah. field, in a parking yes. lot, at the mall. <laughs> He's your best player in this class. In the, in, in the junkyard, anywhere you yes. want to go. I don't it's care. Bowen. Where yep. you have, it's Peyton Bowen. <laughs> and nobody's talking about Devin Houston. Nobody's talking about you. Didn't even mention my guy. Like I'm like borderline ready to kick you out of the thing because you didn't even bring up Jaden Osbury. I don't even know what's wrong yeah. with you right now. No one's talking about Brendan Vernon anymore. He's no. the number twenty six player in the country according to rivals. He's a top yeah. two hundred kid for sure. And we didn't. You didn't even you you. There's so many good players on this list that you didn't even you weren't able to get to those guys, Ryan. You didn't right. bring up Micah Bell. I don't. Did you bring up Micah Bell? I just like, did because I'm like okay. I almost Christian forgot Gray. the kid that probably is going to run. You a didn't four, bring three, up your low. fellow New Jersey guy in Don, Don Schuler, Schuller, future and captain of Don Schuler. You know point. what I mean? So Good like point. the the job they've done with this class, and we've and we've had this argument as a staff, yeah, uh, about where to rank the linemen. You know, like Ryan will sit there and pound the table like, no, 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 no. Joe Odding is no lower than second or third on that list. I mean, that's just kind of how he feels about Joe Odding and. And those are the, just the conversation you have about what they've done with this class, guys. It's a, it, but, but it would have. But if you don't get this kind of quarterback, it would have left a little bitter taste in your mouth, right? And, yeah. and I don't want to name names, but there were names we discussed where we're like, if that's who they end up getting a quarterback, that's yes. a missed opportunity in this class with who you have to go around him and with how deep this quarterback class is, yeah. it had been a missed opportunity. But they kept digging, and this is why Sean was so confident because it was just shut confident. They just they kept digging, they kept digging, they kept pushing. They you know, and and I'll say this: once Kenny reached back out, like this coach is trying to find a guy over here, this guy's over here, this guy's over here. It's like once it kind of happened, it's like they're all at. Zoop, this is this is the focus now. That's I mean, it just Ryan, you and I know this. We knew who they were looking at. We knew the names. We knew all the different people they were talking to. When Kenny Minchie became an option again, it was like, you know, Avengers assemble, right? Like it was like this is this is where we're going is right here. Yeah. This is the kid we want. And Tommy got Tommy got it done. He got okay. it done. I'll go a step further, man. Tommy just put out a tweet. I was like, yo, uh, look, as much as we've put Tommy under the microscope, I'm right there with you, dude. Like, you know, it's from the movie. I think it's from the movie with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. Was that the breakup? The breakup. Yeah, he was at Wrigley Field eating a hot dog. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the uh, uh, the gif he used. But shout out to him on, on the job yeah. he did. And you you have to salute him. Like you have you have to salute him for yeah. today. You have to salute him for CJ Carr. It's like now the spotlight is get these guys in and develop them. Right. That's it. Yep. That's yep. it. Get these guys in and develop them. But the impact on the class, it goes back to, and I'm interested in what you guys think about. I I, man, I wish I had brought this on up when John was on. Just the the back line, the back chatter. I just wonder what the chatter was after the Dante Moore situation. Like, oh, here we go again with Notre Dame and quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't get a quarterback. And 
and Kent Novosad decides to go back to Baylor. Like all of that chatter. she sticks with Pitt. Yeah, right. it was like all yeah. of that chatter. Like, here they go again. Here they go again. And now, like the impact not only on this class, but the impact nationally yeah. to recruits. Like, oh. It takes it takes luster off the class for sure, right? I mean, from a yeah. national perspective, because you mm-hmm. don't even you stop talking about Peyton Bowen and Jeremiah mm-hmm. Love and all the talented players that are in the class, Brandon Vernon, like so many good players that are in the class. Because to make it a complete class, Sean, you need that quarterback, right? So people right. are going to look at that uh, that class and be like, "Yeah, it's a good class. It's a really good class." I shot, I mean, um, John literally said it on the podcast. He's like, "Very good, very good, very good." But there's always, there's the but. A, there's always there's gonna elf. be the but no matter if Keon was in the class, yeah. it, it just it, it wouldn't have it would always be a great class, but yeah. and so yeah, it is very interesting to see how this is played out. But I think the impact on this class, I can tell you now, I've never seen you guys are right, but you just talk to the recruits, Ryan. You talked, I'm sure you talked to guys. Look, I had a conversation with Drake. And Christian Gray yesterday. When I tell you, when I tell you the level of excitement, like usually you'll talk to him about a guy and they're like, cool, cool. Yeah, he's coming. Cool. I like that. This one, it hit a little bit different. Like even the recruits understand the importance. They didn't want to be a class that did not have a quarterback. Right. Sure. Sure. They didn't want that stigma. They didn't want that narrative. So for even for them, this is huge. It's like a huge boost. And now, collectively, I'm sure they won't have a problem. It's like, it was like an exhale. And immediately, collectively, their focus goes to a certain direction. I'll leave it that. I'll leave it at that. They're like, that's out of the way. Now let's go now. Let's go. Our now. focus is about over here. Right. And that's it. If we handle over here, it's a wrap. Can we say something else too about quarterback recruiting? You you went from you you now, if you think about it, in a four-year cycle, Tom Mariso have landed four top three top hundred quarterbacks mm-hmm. in a four-year cycle. Tyler yeah. Buckner's a top hundred quarterback. Kenny Minchie, in my view, in, in SI-99, like top 100, like by at least a, a service, top 100 guy, and then CJ Carr. Yeah. I mean, that that's – that's that's now it's like, okay, now, like you said, now develop these guys, get them going. Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, I know that Coach Reese was very high on Tyler Buckner, and I still feel Tyler Buckner is getting a very bad rap from Notre Dame fans after two freaking starts, yeah. you know. Uh as a basically a, a sophomore, he gets his in what we're not talking. He gets his his redshirt back. The redshirt he lost in twenty twenty one because of his situational role that he had. He gets back. So this has three years left. So we shouldn't be discounting Tyler Buckner. But you mentioned earlier margin of error. If Tyler development doesn't come because of all the missed time, yeah, or if he gets hurt again, now you have a Kenny Minchie. Now you have a CJ Carr. You have those type of players. And here's something else that landing Kenny Minchie impacts Notre Dame a great degree. So talking to different sources, obviously Notre Dame's going to look to the portal quarterback. 
I think Landy Ken, Landy Kenny Minchie takes a little bit of the pressure off in some ways of going there if for if you don't find the right fit. You don't have to bring a guy in just to bring a guy in now. Mm-hmm. But what it also does, even more so, is you kind of needed to look at a guy that had multiple years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're going to be like, okay, Tyler and CJ is a true freshman in 2024. Right. If Tyler's injuries rare, you know, keep her going. I mean, that's the thing. That's the concern with folks in the ring. Folks in the ring love Tyler Buckner. They still do. It's yeah. but the lack of development because of the injuries is the problem. The thing that yeah. scares people. Sure. Right. Is he's lost years of development because of the injuries and because of COVID in 2020. Right. So you got to protect yourself. And there, the thought was you probably gonna need to look at a guy that's got multiple years left, which mm-hmm. limits your options a little bit as far as who you can look to. And, you know, you say, Hey, look, a name that everybody's thrown out there. And the only reason I'm bringing this name up is because it's one that everybody's talked about, right? I'm not giving you any hints. I'm not saying anything, but I had serious, serious reservations about going after a Devin Leary, who I think is a phenomenal talent at quarterback for college, right? I don't view him Ryan as a first round NFL draft pick, but for college, he's a heck of a quarterback. In my opinion, last year, 35 touchdowns of five picks. But, Sean, you couldn't go after him because no. of the injury history and because yeah. he only had one year left. Yeah. Now, with Kenny Minchie, I'm much more willing, okay. you know, much more willing to take that chance because you've got yeah. his injury, him and his injuries. Okay, yeah. that's not ideal. But you still have Tyler Buckner. You, now you have Kenny Minchie. I don't want to have to play Kenny Minchie as a freshman, but I would argue he is the most – he'll be the most ready-to-play freshman they've had. I mean, I – just because of his mindset, his experience, the type of system he comes from, I can't tell you the last time I remember a Notre Dame quarterback being this ready to play as a freshman if the need is there. I mean, because I don't count Tyler Buckner in that category because Tyler wasn't necessarily ready to play as a quarterback. Tyler was ready to play athletically. Yes. Right, as a runner. Tyler wasn't ready to step in and run the whole offense. They were were fair to Tyler last year. That's what you're saying. Right. They put him in a position to succeed. Right. Be fair to him. Dabo right. Sweeney in that environment was not fair to Kay Clubman. Correct. What, that, Correct. To put him in at that moment, you're not being fair to that kid backed up Correct. on the two-yard line. No, you're not being fair to him. Right. right? Find a, if you want to play him in that game, find a position maybe early when mm-hmm. it's still 7-zip or something like that. Right. Not that you can't play him. Put him in a position right. that gives him an opportunity to be successful. And with Kenny Minchie, that's what it's going to be. Look, if you can find him maybe in an area of like week six or seven where he's had time to get his feet wet and he's going through a full offseason, if he indeed enrolls early, and that's an advantage for him, then, okay, find those spots and pockets to where you might be able to play him and get him in the game, especially if Notre Dame is still being able to win games. You know, no, you don't. Don't just throw them in there against Ohio right. State. And, and they wouldn't the they wouldn't do that unless it was a an injury situation. But exactly. now you've got Tyler, you've got whoever your grad transfer is. Yeah. Who I'm pro- I'm promise y'all right now, whoever they bring in as a grad transfer is going to be told you have to compete for this job. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be handed to them, right? And so whoever starts is going to be in a good position, I believe. Yeah. But now you you can be a little bit more. We can take a chance. Hey, this guy. May like not say, pan out, but this kid's got a lot of tools or this kid's, you know, it, Devin Leary and his injury history, things like that. Because, hey, if this kid doesn't play, doesn't pan out, we've got Tyler coming back from injury. 
you got Kenny Minchie coming in, yeah. you got Steve Angeli. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're feeling like, hey, this quarterback room went from what it is right now with Tyler's injury and Steve Angeli being just a true freshman to yeah. you feel really good about the future of this quarterback room. And now yeah. if they don't get a quarterback they like, yeah. I'm not as worried about the quarterback position the next two years as I was before. Yeah. To yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. And look, it is very important that Tommy Reese gives that spirit. Like that's that's one of the things you have to admire. The the competition that existed in an Alabama quarterback room that gave Nick Saban the option in the middle of a championship game. Like, think about that. He felt confident in the middle of a championship game because of the competition in the room all year long. And that's what you want in that room. You want that type of competition that gives the offensive coordinator and the head coach the confidence to pull the trigger if that trigger needs to be pulled at the right time. And that's what they're building here. You're stacking things. It's almost like putting a perfect song together. Like if you guys have ever been in a studio, they'll have the singers stack their vocals to give depth to it. Like do it again, do it again. So we can find the perfect mix of all of those takes. And then we can go ahead and develop the perfect song. And it's the same thing with that quarterback room, like different styles, different guys. Like they can all do different things, even though they might be similar in certain ways. Now we get them all in a room and now it makes the best of everything. And then we pull the best out of that to be able to go and make beautiful music on the football field and win games. And I was a hard pass on Devin Leary. Today, mm -hmm. I'm cool. I told you. Right. Like, I'm, I'm a, it's a hard pass for me. Like, right. no, I don't, we were we were on the same page, Sean, because yeah. of the injury. You couldn't you couldn't afford it. I just don't. And you, you needed the guy with two years. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But now I'm open to it. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you, you like gave, you said, he has to compete. Yeah. As long as he right. knows, he has to compete. And, and if fine. he's healthy, he you know he's gonna know, right? But mm -hmm. and I you know as long as everybody in the room. Knows this is a competition, right? <laughs> Everybody's competing. Drew, Tyler, whomever they bring in, Kenny. Hey, let's go work. Yep, let's yep. go work. This totally makes my my week better because it was getting off to a bad start when I found out EA wasn't coming out till twenty twenty four. Like ruined my whole week. I was like, man, this sucks. You know, but then, like, we knew – so we knew this was going to happen, right? Because we knew that Kenny gave Notre Dame the verbal – he was coming last weekend. We knew he was coming last weekend, but it was yeah. just like as long as the visit doesn't get screwed up, he's going to be in the class. Right. Gave the staff his official commitment this weekend, and then, of course, we got word Sunday night. Was it Sunday night I told you, Ryan, that it would be Tuesday that he would be making his announcement? I think it was Sunday night. It was, I think it was but, Sunday. Uh, so now it's, uh, now it's official. Kenny Minchie has joined the class. And here's the big thing too, guys, is what's next. Tommy Reese has now two years to find a 2025 quarterback. And the <laughs> fact that he has, and this is important. This is very important. That's fun. The fact that he has two quarterbacks committed in 23 and 24 now mm -hmm. allows him and the rest of the staff to focus a lot of their time 
on the other other positions in 24. Yeah. Top receivers, yes. O-line, running backs, tight end, and filling that out. And that's important. And now you have two quarterbacks to pitch to those kids. Now you have Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carter pitch to those kids, and that's important. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Uh, and knowing that t- CJ is still the foundation for what you're building that class around. Uh, we're going to get so many super chats and questions about Bryce Underwood. I'm already, I'm yeah. already ready for it, Brian. I don't see that one happening right as of right now. Yeah. I, I, I don't, don't, I don't either, yeah. but it's just, you, it's, you that's think, just the name that keeps getting brought up and brought you think up. That's you think yeah, that's where Harbaugh draws the line? Yeah. Like, look, you know, we're, we're not going to keep giving up our guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, if that if that's the guy that you you put your flag on and say, I'm not letting that guy get out, it's a good choice. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Very good player. <laughs> guys, we're going to get to a mailbag in a second because I because I just a couple more things. But I did think this was a great comment from D-Rock Irish. He says, before the 2023 class was like a Sunday without the cherry on top. Now it is complete. We have the cherry now with Minchie. I think it's a great way of looking at it. Like Amen. it just was never going to be, you were never, you were always going to have just like a, you know, like it's like you have a, a great Thanksgiving dinner and you're sitting ready to eat it. And I'm saying, this and then you realize, oh shoot, I forgot to cook the rolls. It's just not complete. Like it's really yeah. good, but it's just not complete. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's like, okay, uh, it's complete. Now you got everything you want and need, right. Yeah. And you're ready to rock and roll. And um, big, big time pickup. And guys, one thing that we didn't discuss, we've talked about like where we'd like to see Notre Dame recruit more. And I've said it a lot. I want to see Notre Dame start to have a little bit more success in Tennessee. I think there's some, mm-hmm. there's a lot of private schools in Tennessee. There's a lot of Catholic schools in Tennessee. Yeah. Now I've, they've had success in the past. Harrison Smith was from a Catholic school in Tennessee. Pope John the second is where Kenny Minchie's from is also the uh, alma mater of Golden Tate. You know, so they've had some success. You got Prince Collie a couple years ago. You hope that a, a move like this could be a thing that, you know, allows you to maybe have a little bit of an influence here. You know, they've had some guys from Tennessee. I mean, Dante mm-hmm. Vaughn a few years ago, but I'd love to see them get a kid out of that state every year. And, and I think that getting a kid like Kenny Minchie can also help become more effective and impactful in that state as well. The talent okay. is there, right? Walter yeah, Nolan, yeah. Caleb yeah. Beasley, Kenny Minchie, right. Edward Spillman. Like, yeah, yeah, it was tons of talent there. It was a pretty good quarterback class this cycle in Tennessee, too. You talk about Brock Glenn, Chris Parson, yeah. Kenny Minchie. It was pretty. Yeah, He's the best of that there. group, by the way. Yes. No oh, question. absolutely. No well, question. and and Brock Glenn was a guy that Notre Dame looked at when yeah. Dante, you know, when that stuff went down with Dante, and and they zeroed in on Kenny Minchie. You know, he was He's, one of he, several guys they looked at. Brock Glenn is the polar opposite of Kenny Minchie. Extremely yes. raw, but very toolsy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. Exact opposite of that. Case, <laughs> exact which is why I thought it made sense for Ohio State to go after him. Yeah. Because they didn't need a quarterback in this class as far as like coming and play. It was more like we need the depth and all that in case people leave or get hurt. But you have Riola next year. You had Devin Brown the year before. You have Kyle McCord, so that's three years of eligibility left, I believe. Yeah. he was a good kid to take because if he doesn't pan out, you're okay. But if he if he hits, he's got a chance to be okay because he's got some tools. Yep. Uh, but uh, I also think it's a great pickup for Florida State as long as they don't try to force him on the field too soon. That's That was what we said this summer was the big danger yep. and why going to Ohio State made a lot of sense for that kid because he could go there and just sit back and learn. Yep. You hope at Florida State they give him a year to learn because he's incredibly raw. And he was inc- – he, he actually – didn't really progress as a senior the way you'd want him to. He's still really raw. Yeah. So he's going to need some time to develop. Whereas Kenny Minch, he's a kid that maybe he doesn't have the elite 
arm strength that yeah. Brock Glenn has, but in my opinion, he has much better arm talent than Brock Glenn has yeah. and, a, and a more natural football player, in my opinion, where Brock Allen's like a really, or Brock Glenn's a really talented baseball player slat turned quarterback yes, that you're trying one. to turn into a football player. Kenny Minchie is a football player. And I'll say that's the final thing that I love about this class, Ryan, you and I were talking about that, or, or was it me? And, I don't know. I was talking to one of these cats about this earlier today. This class is loaded with football players, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, there's they're athletic, and like, okay, Dylan Edwards is really fast, but that's not why he was a great pickup. Right. There's other four, three, eight guys out there that that can't play football. Dylan Edwards is a football player. Peyton Bowen is a, a phenomenal, freaky athlete, but he's a football player. He's a natural, instinctive football player. Braylon James is is as a senior looked more, much more like that. Jaden Greathouse is a may not be a dynamic athlete, but he's a football player. Rico Flores is a football player, right? Adon Schuler, Ben Minich, Jaden Osbury, you know, like those guys are just. And Drake Bowen was much more of that as a senior. Drake was a a really athletic kid that was still kind of learning football as a junior. You watch him this year; that's a football player. Yes, who so, happens to play baseball as opposed to as a junior, he was a really athletic baseball player that was learning to play football. Right. I mean, is that an unfair thing to say about Drake? I mean, I, I had him ranked super high because of the, the, I think the, the tools are elite, but he became a football player this year. It's too bad. It's too bad. He's slow or whatever people say. <laughs> Did you see on three dropped him down even further? It's hilarious. So it's he hilarious. just had a dominant senior year, man. It's yeah, not the over, week after he, ru- he rushes for over 300 yards in a playoff game. 358 you know, in the yeah. semifinals. Like, yeah. yeah. Semifinals. Let's let's add that. Because if you do it in yeah. the first round of the Indiana playoffs, like, yeah, everybody makes playoffs in Indiana. You could play a one and nine team in week one or one and eight team in week one. No, semifinals. Correct. Yes. Correct. So that's the thing I love, guys. Is and, and then you have a nice blend of the toolsy guys that are still kind of developing as football players. Armo Mukum, Bubakar Traori. You know, those guys, I didn't even mention Preston Zinter. He's a he's another kid that's just a just a football player, man. Like, you know, it's like he's, I don't know what position he's to play. This, I don't know. He's a football player. He's they're you in know? the state championship this weekend yeah. as well. So yeah. Jeremiah Love's another one. As a junior, Jeremiah Love was a really athletic kid trying to learn how to be a running back. As a senior, especially as he's gotten deeper into senior year, Jeremiah Love's a he looks like a running back now. He yeah. moves like a running back. He makes cuts like a running back, not just a really athletic kid. And that's what I love about this class as well. But it was always going to be the what if. Mm-hmm. if you, even if you got a quarterback that was just an okay depth piece, right? it was always going to be the what if. What if you'd have got Dante? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be looking back on th- this situation with, with Kenny and CJ Carr back-to-back and saying, yeah, Dante's a great player, but I like where we're at. Kind of like what we said about Will Shipley. I think Will Shipley's a heck of a player. Heck of a player. I'm totally fine with how it played out. Totally yeah. fine with how it played out. You know, because I'll take Logan and Audric over just Will Shipley any day of the week. Agree. Any day of the week. And the reality is you weren't going to get Dante and CJ. Wasn't an option. Right? Now you get Dante is wherever he's going to go, but now you have CJ and you have Kenny Minchie. Your quarterback room just got way better. Okay. Way better. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of Kenny Minchie. Just to give you all a heads up, we are going to uh, quickly answer some super chats and some questions. We are going to go back live again at four today, and we're going to break down some USC a little bit. We're going to do our intro to USC to give everybody a, a heads up on our schedule. 
tomorrow at one o'clock, we will do our stacking up video bracket, stacking up Notre Dame and USC because Sean Styers is off the rest of the week. He is traveling with the women's basketball team. We are going to take over the IB nation sports talk show to a degree. So we're going to go live at four now to talk USC. And then our next show will start at 7 PM tonight, Eastern. And we're going to have a kind of, we're going to just go live when the college football playoff committee starts. And we're just going to talk about the rankings and everything that we see. I think it'll just be the three of us, Sean, you'll be in there. Correct. At seven. Mm -hmm. So be the three of us tomorrow. We'll have our one o'clock show. And then our second show at six o'clock on Wednesday night will be keys to victory over USC. Because I want to give the guys Thursday off. We'll I'll cut up some videos and have some stuff out for Thursday, but we're gonna have Thursday off. And then Friday we'll be back at one o'clock for our prediction show. So that is our schedule for the rest of the week. So we're gonna dive into some questions here. But before we do, I'm gonna ask all of you to so kindly hit that like button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel and sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We've had a lot of people sign up the last couple of weeks. So it's been great. We, we've had our best month in, in gosh, since all, in like se- seven or eight months, we've had our best month with the merch store. A lot of people buying stuff for the merch store. So definitely do that. And if you haven't signed up for the message board, sign up for the message board first, then do the merch store because you'll get a 10% off discount of your entire purchase. If you sign up monthly, you sign up annually, you get a 20% off discount to your entire merch store. And of course, if you haven't bought built bars yet, get them. And if you have bought them, it's time to restock. There's no doubt about it. So we're going to, we're going to pitch all that stuff. And it's all part of what we're doing here at Irish Breakdown Podcast. (laughs) 